Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler. A disappointing Monday, a frustrating Monday following Washington's 29-26 loss to the Seattle Seahawks yesterday on the road to now push the team to 4-6. and six. And as sloppy as it was yesterday, a, a football game that had... No flow to it. There was no tempo to that football game. It's really a shame that Washington wasn't able to escape Seattle with a win yesterday. To get them to 500 with back-to-back divisional games coming up. Home against the Giants next week. And then on the road to face the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. We're going to get into a lot today. It is, again, frustrating is the best word to put it right now, again, as we sit here trying to chase 500 football. Because that is what we've come to expect under head coach Ron Rivera since he's been in Washington. And now, year four. And in year four of a regime, you expect improvement in all three phases of the game. Offense, defense, and special teams, the three phases of a football team, and how you have to execute in a football game. And defensively right now, now by no means was the offense perfect yesterday, specifically when I look at that first half, specifically that second quarter. But the defense continues to lack everywhere. It starts up front, all the way back. I'm not seeing anything from guys like John Allen. The linebackers, Jamin Davis, is... I don't know what number 52 is doing, guys. Made a couple decent plays yesterday. Couple. The secondary. Benjamin St. Juice was picked on. Made a couple nice plays. Percy Butler made a couple nice plays, but there were a lot of negatives too. Overall, the defense continues to lack for this football team. And not just lack, they are historically bad. They are one of this franchise's worst defense. They allowed nearly 30 points again, and they allowed 400 and 89 yards total net yards on offense. To an offense with the Seahawks yesterday, Geno Smith, in that first half specifically, they were running a JV offensive script. Slants, curls, dump-offs to the running back, what they were doing up front in the run game was extremely vanilla, where Kenneth Walker really didn't get going 
until certain portions of that second half where they also began to involve Zach Charbonnet. Charbonnet had six carries, 44 yards, 7.3 yards a carry. And mostly all of that came in the second half and mainly in the fourth quarter when it mattered most, when you have to buck up and make a play. And help out Sam Howell, who again had another good day where he battles his ass off every single week. The fumble forced by Devin Witherspoon. Hell of a play by Devin Witherspoon. It was sad that Sam had the ball ripped away from him like that because he finally took the ball on his own read as I've wanted him to for weeks, testing the backside of the defense. He gets 15 yards downfield and you would like your quarterback to just get down in that scenario. And he standing up and Devin Witherspoon comes in and just rips the ball as he's going to the ground. It's unfortunate. But through the air, he took care of the football. 29 for 44, 312 yards, three touchdowns. 109.3, excuse me, quarterback rating on the day for Sam Howell. Not getting any help. This offense is not getting any freaking help. It's sad, guys. I, I, I legitimately feel bad for Eric Bieniemy, Sam Howell, and the guys on offense that are battling. Brian Robinson led the team yesterday in rushing and receiving. Six catches, 119 yards, and a touchdown. Number eight was everywhere for Washington. The offensive line really didn't get much of a push yesterday. He had eight carries for 38 yards, about 4.8 a pop. Sam Howell had that 15-yard run. That was tied for the longest run of the day. There was really no push, and there continues to be really no push in the run game, unless at certain times when Washington can catch a team lacking. Maybe they bring a guy out of the box. But there really is no push. This team is better in pass pro than it is as run-blocking team. That's obvious. But the way in which this offense battled its tail off, specifically in that fourth quarter, to make it a game. And then Washington's defense just cannot help themselves. And get a stop when it matters. They got a couple stops in the first three quarters. A couple stops. And a couple guys made some nice plays. But overall, it wasn't enough. And this is another week. Where you look at Washington's opponent, a team with talent, and they lost the football game. And that tells me from a fundamental perspective, no matter how close or how competitive, moral victories do not exist in the NFL. For me, they don't exist anywhere. It's either you win or you lose. That's it. And if you lose, you flat out did not do something or some things To get you over the hump, to have a notch in the win column instead of the loss column. And now, losers of six of their ten games played this year, with their next, the two of their next three matchups, they're going to see teams like Dallas and Miami. I'm really interested to see the immediate future of Washington's organization, specifically what they want to do on the defensive side of the football. Because we knew not everything was going to be perfect offensively this year. There were going to be speed bumps, and Dan have there. 
The fumble forced by Witherspoon was another speed bump in Sam Howell's young career. That's a learning moment that next time he runs and he's held up like that, maybe he's going to try just a little extra to bring that left arm over and protect it, even though that left arm yesterday going down was compromised. Just try to keep it a little tighter for half a second more so so his backside hits the ground. And that's a first down instead of a turnover. But the offense has continued to show progression. And Sam Howell looks like the guy. And if you don't think he is, we say this every week. Again, if you don't think he is, guys, I can't help you. He's making throws under duress. He's making throws off platform. We saw him yesterday a lot create under pressure. Sandlot ball a little bit. The beautiful throw to Brian Robinson to open the game. Sidearm down the sideline was an improvised play. It's beautiful. He's evolving his game. And you can tell that Eric Bannemi is telling him, look, Sam, if stuff's not working inside the pocket and we know the offensive line isn't great, don't be afraid to take your eyes down for just half a second, escape outside, and create something. Force those linebackers to engage you. Force that, that safety spy that plays in the box yesterday where we saw a bunch with Jamal Adams. Engage you and then make a throw to that vacated space that he was at. Or make a throw like he did to Brian rolling to his left, three o'clock arm angle, right into his breadbasket, and he's taking it to the house. I haven't seen those types of improvisational plays since Robert Griffin III was in town a decade ago. Because it shows me Sam Howell can win inside of structure, so inside the tackles as a pocket passer, and he can also win outside of structure as a runner. And a guy that wants to create with his eyes not down towards the grass, but up outside of the pocket, behind the line of scrimmage. Outside of structure. Creative. And he has the arm and the accuracy to do so. And he also now has the confidence. He's near the top of the league. In a lot of major categories for passing. And it is just so damn unfortunate. And it's just a flat out shame. That he can't get any help from this defense. For the way that he's playing. Because flat out, guys... If Washington is 6-4 and four right now instead of 4-6, and six, we're having the same type of conversations that a lot of individuals within the industry are having about C.J. Stroud and him as a young quarterback, him leading the Houston Texans, now in the MVP conversation. That is where Sam Howell would be if this team is 6-4. and four. And I really don't think I'm exaggerating because... The MVP is not just numbers. Everyone wants to see the production. But as a team, it is a team award. You're not going to see a guy win MVP on a 4-6 and six roster. And at the end of the year, a team that potentially has just 6 wins. A team that goes 7-9. Or 6-11. and 11, Or 7-10. and 10. You're just not going to see it. And it is unfortunate. Because his numbers, his improvement, his play... And really, what is his rookie season under center? The first time that he's ever had the bulk of the snaps? You could say if Washington was at that record, that he would be absolutely in the MVP conversation. I don't think that's egregious at all for what we've seen from Sam in clutch moments. The Philly game, in Philly to Jahan Dotson. Yesterday to Yami Brown over the middle of the field. A beautiful throw layering over to the second level. He's consistently coming out week to week, being efficient as he can with the football, 
taking care of the football through the air these last couple weeks and dissecting it, dissecting defenses wherever there's a hole. It's not just the Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson show. Jahan had two targets yesterday, no catches. Curtis Samuel, six targets, two catches, six yards. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and Deami Brown were Washington's leading receivers yesterday. That tells me that he is extremely comfortable within the offense of finding matchups, finding soft spots, understanding what defenses are doing, and understanding where he could have a matchup to where he could pump a throw into somebody. It's a different guy seemingly every week. We've seen Jamison Crowder heavily involved the last few weeks. He had one target yesterday, no catches. So he was uninvolved outside of being the primary punt returner because we saw Antonio Gibson return kicks. He's extremely poised and confident in this offense. But Jack Del Rio and this defense, I cannot say it any, I can't say it anymore. They are abysmal as a unit. Abysmal, guys. Nearly 500 yards of offense yesterday against Geno Smith that looked damn awful all day. He couldn't make a throw to save his life in the first half. We went into half at 9-9. Should have been 10-9, but Joey Sly doesn't want to make an extra point. We can't even get a special teamer in Cameron Cheeseman, who you drafted. You moved up in the draft to take out of Michigan a couple years ago. His snaps continue to be shit. Thank God for Tressway. Snaps above his head, snaps to his right, snaps to his left, snaps in the dirt. He's having to pick it like a first baseman and then get the snap up, turn those laces away, and place it for Joey Sly. Now, Joey made the rest of his kicks that day except for that extra point. But you open the game with a play like that and you come, the special teams come on the field, doink. I mean... Just execute little things. Don't beat yourselves. Let a team, If the team's going to beat you, let them beat you. But don't beat yourself. I'm going to go through the notes here for the first part of this game. And then, of course, we'll get into the second half and that last literally four minutes of the ball game, 347 when Washington got the ball and the end of that football game, which is extremely frustrating. Um... Again, not going to go through every single play, but just plays that stood out to me. First play, first series of the game, guys, John Bates, second and 10. It's really nothing on first and 10. John Bates carrying Tariq Woolen uh, for a first down. I thought John Bates did a really nice job yesterday. He and Logan um, were decently heavily, they were heavily involved really in that in the passing game. They combined for eight targets. They caught all eight targets uh, for 61 yards combined. So the tight ends, we know they're important in, in the enemy's offense. Cole Turner again. Uh, was inactive, as was Curtis Hodges in the tight ends room. And it was the Bates and Thomas show, as it's been for a long time. And I thought they both did a decent job, both as blockers uh, and in the receiving game as well. Um, I mentioned the Sam Howell to Brian Robinson throw, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, Sam Howell on that throw, you had Jamal Adams blitzing off of his arm side. His eyes move from right to left. He's scanning through the football field, through his progressions from one to two to three to four, and he hits Brian Robinson on a beautiful little sandlot play out of the backfield uh, for a touchdown. 51 yards to get Washington on the board there. And of course, they go up 6 nothing because Joey Slide missed uh, the extra point. 
Washington comes on that next series, and we saw five snaps from Emmanuel Forbes yesterday. Uh, ejected in that first quarter uh, after the hit on Tyler Lockett. Not an ejectable hit, flat out. Um, that is not Emmanuel Forbes' game. Um, I Flat out, I like to see some pop over the middle of the field. You're taught as a receiver. You know, going across the middle of the field, expect to be hit. Try to protect your ribs as much as possible. You're a defender, light somebody up when they're over the middle of the field. And it's just really hard when you got a guy like Tyler Lockett that's 5'10", and he's going to the ground, and Emmanuel's just kind of leaning his shoulder in. And you could say it was helmet to helmet. That's fine. You want to throw the penalty, okay, that's fine. But you don't eject a guy for that um, in the first quarter of that football game, which was a big football game. You just can't do that uh, in that situation. But more so, it's just a thing where Emmanuel Forbes just cannot help himself out. You know, we it's a rough week, rough month and a half, first of the season, Right, and then he comes into comes into New England last week has a hell of a game, his best game as a pro. Go out to Seattle, and he doesn't make it out of the first quarter. You know, you just can't help yourself out. So we'll see him next week against the New York Giants coming into town, uh, most likely led by Tommy DeVito, who was extremely rough against Dallas yesterday. They got their backsides embarrassed uh, on the road against the, the Cowboys yesterday. But um, yeah, we'll, hopefully we see Emmanuel Forbes next week playing. Because that, that hit was just not ejectable. That, that, that's, not, that's not his game. It flat out isn't. And football, look, is football, and they're trying to take those types of plays out of the game. But every time you see a guy hit, every time you see someone trying to play defense, there's just a flag thrown. And it's really a shame. But again, flag, okay. But ejectable, absolutely not. Um, the linebackers yesterday, guys, I, they're so frustrating to watch. Um, Khalid Hudson, minimal work. Um, he's the best athlete in that linebacker's room, really, for me right now. Jamin Davis, we finally saw him uh, correctly fit the run in that second half on Kenneth Walker. was a really nice play, but as a first-round backer, a first-round backer, excuse me, I've been waiting to him to correctly fit the run for three years. Um, couple, again, a couple nice plays here and there. In coverage, he's lost. He looks extremely goofy as a runner. The athleticism is just not there for me. Um, as a run defender on the fringes, He's not a good open field tackler. I, I don't know where to go with Jamin Davis or really all these linebackers. David Mayo, man-to-man on crossing routes against Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's more of a matchup identified by the offense, but why is he in that situation anyway to pick up the crosser? That, that's where my concerns come along. Jack Del Rio, that's his assignment, right? Receiver comes across the field, you're in man, pick him up. You're David Mayo. That, that, that's, that's disgusting. That's embarrassing. He should never be in that situation to have to pick up that crosser in that situation, especially a guy like JSN that can absolutely run, especially with the ball in his hands, which we saw early in that football game. Um, Benjamin St. Juice on DK Metcalf, that third down PBU in that first quarter, uh, really good football playing through the hands. Obviously, we know moving in that second half, uh, it was a little bit of a rough day for St. Juice. Again, he's continued to be picked on. Again, he's one of the most targeted corners in all of football. He's allowed top five yards as the primary man in coverage in football, and he wasn't exactly perfect for yesterday. DK Metcalf, seven catches on 12 targets for 98 yards. Tyler Lockett, eight catches on 10 targets for 92 yards and a touchdown. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, four catches on five targets for 53 yards. So Metcalf, Lockett, and then Jigba combined for 27 targets. That's the three guys that they wanted to feature heavily, and they did. Washington's perspective, right? With, with Terry Jahan and Curtis, it wasn't as heavily involved, right? Terry led the team in eight targets, as he usually does. 
but caught half of them for 33 yards. But again, this this defense, it's just rough, guys. It, it's just flat out rough. Um, Andre Jones, the rookie at Louisiana Lafayette, was a positive for me yesterday on the defensive side of the ball. Um, chasing down the running back in that first quarter, the batted pass at the line of scrimmage. Happy to see his ability on the perimeter, running around, making plays. Um, a guy that's getting an opportunity, obviously, with Chase and Montez now gone. And he's just not, he's not playing 65% of the snaps, but he's playing 25, 30% of them. He's getting about 15, 20 reps a game, and he's, he's making the most of them. And it's, it's exciting. It's good to see one of these rookies step up and make a play um, because really anything from this rookie class at this point is over-exceeding. And the bar right now is in hell for this rookie class. And to see Andre Jones make the plays that he did in that first half. No, we didn't see a lot of KJ Henry make any splash plays. Chris Rodriguez didn't have any carries. Quan Martin was on the field a little bit. And then, of course, Emmanuel gets ejected uh, in that first quarter. Just the, the rookies, again, didn't really show up a bunch um, yesterday in certain moments. But I thought Andre Jones did a good job. Uh, a note here of Cameron Cheeseman. Don't know what's going on there. It's been an issue all year long. There were reports this offseason that he's been messing with his technique, changed it. Why? I don't know. Uh, but it continues to be an issue, and there's really been no... There's been nothing as, as just far as we're going to get a guy in the building potentially to take over for him. Um, look, it's a long snapping position, guys. It's something to where you come on the field for maybe five, six times a game or more. We'll see. You know, as a punter, um, field goal unit. Yeah, it's it's just it's really sad that we can't have a long snapper that just gets the snap within the range that you could say is workable for Tressway. I mean, he's having to make fantastic plays every time he's down on his knee, or he's standing back there, fifteen yards back as a punter, catching it at his feet, catching it above his head. He had to jump yesterday for for uh, on on one of his punts. I, I mean, it's just the small things. I mean, is he snapping during the week? I mean, what's going on? If the technique wasn't working early in the year, then go back to what made him a draft pick and one of the pure best long snappers coming out of school a couple years ago out of Michigan. There should be no reason to why the long snapping position is a concern. Special teams are so damn important in the NFL, be able to flip the field and execute field goal operations. And when you're having Tress Way, a guy that, look, one of the best punters in football— but you watch him yesterday, go back and watch the operation of what he has to do as a punter and then as the holder, and it's just unbelievable. Every single snap is seemingly off target, and got to make adjustments. Find somebody that can do it, because it's a consistent lack of execution. These first 10 games of the season, we talked about it week one, week two, week five, week seven, week nine, and yesterday in week 10, the snaps have not been good enough. Flat out. They flat out have not been good enough. And I don't know what they're doing with Cameron Cheeseman. I don't know what Cheeseman's doing. But it's got to improve. And if not, get somebody that can do it. Uh, That first half, again, I thought the secondary played decent. Really nice plays from St. Just and Percy Butler, who was flying around. Uh, Both those guys played 100% of the snaps yesterday. This is really good to see Percy, that center field defender, coming down, playing through the hands of DK Metcalf. Again, the rushing touchdown by the, excuse me, the hookup from Geno Smith to Kenneth Walker, the 64-yard 
little dump pass. Um, the tackle that Percy Butler tried to make on Kenneth Walker one-on-one was embarrassing. It really just bounced off of, of Kenneth. Um, you've got to be able to take the guy down in open field like that. Just attack the thighs, attack his shins, whatever you got to do. You got to make the tackle there. Um, as that really that that last line of defense, and he just really bounced off of Kenneth, and he was off to the races, 64 yards uh, to the house. Uh, as we move to the end of that first half, it's unfortunate that Antonio Gibson didn't get out of bounds um, with about a minute 30 left on the clock, especially because Seattle had three timeouts remaining there. And then you look at the series of plays um, when they got the ball back, DK Metcalf first down, Zach Charbonnet has a nice run. They actually were able to save a timeout because James Smith-Williams went down due to injury. So he walks off the field. Again, instead of going from two timeouts to one, they keep that second timeout. They feed it again to Zach Charbonnet on the next play. 15 yards. Washington only had six in the box. I believe it was on a third and four. What the hell are we doing there? Uh, slant to DK Metcalf. And then intentional grounding from Geno Smith to end that half. Really, it was a debacle those last couple plays from Geno Smith at the end of the half to really just shit the bed um, and move out of field goal range. But the third, the I believe it was the third and four with six in the box. What are we doing, guys? What are we doing? Zach Charbonnet, again, 15 yards, I believe it was, on that third and four. And it, it, the end of halves and the end of games, I've never seen a softer defense that I've ever seen, seen with Jack Del Rio in his years in Washington. It is consistently we'll let you get to the 50 and then we're going to try to play a little bit of defense I don't get it there's limited pressure the guys on the outside can't stick with a guy for a second and a half at most at times yesterday there was some decent pressure I I do want to say that in the first half there were some times but when it mattered most they can't cover they can't get after a guy just flat out cannot do it and it is edge an absolutely a roster hole for this roster right now? Absolutely. There were times yesterday where Geno Smith sitting back there where, by the way, they had a rotation of right tackles in Stone Forsyth and 99-year-old Jason Peters out there, and there was no pressure. None. He was sitting back there for four or five seconds making a sandwich, looking downfield, looking back down, flipping the burgers on the grill, looking back up, and he still got time to make throws. There's no pressure. And it's unfortunate now that Edge is a hole because last year's draft in 2023, rotationally, they took two guys. And you still have holes at linebacker, at offensive tackle, at corner, tight end. Those same roster holes you had last year are still here. And then now you're adding Edge as a potential primary need in this draft to where your top 15 pick could be an edge rusher instead of grabbing a tackle or potentially another corner because one week from Emmanuel Forbes for me is not going to sway me as a first round pick. I need you to show up every week. Look what Devin Witherspoon did yesterday and look what he's done all year long. That's a first round corner. Now, guy was a top 10 pick, but he also has to show up every week and, and produce and execute. The guy's everywhere. I talked about him in the pregame podcast. If you didn't believe me, just watch the game yesterday and what Devin Witherspoon was able to do in the run, in the passing game, zone, man, physicality, ripping the ball out of Sam Howell's hands, making plays. He's everywhere. That's a first-round corner. So good on Emmanuel Forbes for being good in New England, 
But then he comes into Seattle and flat out, bottom line, whatever happens, there's opinions everywhere. You've heard mine. But he gets ejected in the first quarter. So another negative, if you will. Yeah, it shouldn't happen. Should have been ejected, but he did get ejected. And he put himself in a position to potentially get ejected by making that play. Right? Unfortunate, yes. But again, 10,000 foot view, he's had one good game. In this entire year where he's been not good. And you watch a guy like Devin Witherspoon yesterday and you say, holy smokes, that's the first round corner. Tariq Woolen on the other side. Shut down Jahan Dotson yesterday. Jahan was uninvolved. Put him in a seatbelt yesterday. Was not involved. We saw Terry involved in that late portions of the second half. A lot of slants. Quick little overs on the middle of the field. Winning within that five-yard contact window. It's good to see. Sam Howell put that back foot in the ground and hit Terry. That's it. Sometimes it's all it takes. But Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel were not involved yesterday. The three corners, Tariq Woolen, Devin Witherspoon, Trey Brown, tip your cap. They did a hell of a job all day long. They sent Jamal Adams on a bunch of blitzes to force Sam Howell outside of the pocket with a guy that can run and chase after him. I thought Sam did a decent job. Took a couple sacks. A couple times, got to get rid of the football. Whether it's just in the stands, I don't care. At the feet of a guy, I don't care. Can't take those sacks. Offensive line yesterday, I'll give it a C plus on the day. Boye Mafe had his times against Leno and Wiley where they looked terrible. He's a second-round player out of Minnesota. Seventh straight game yesterday with a sack for him. It was a Seattle Seahawks franchise record. He's an edge guy that's made steps for them every year. Moving into the second half, Sam Howell to Brian Robinson, a very similar-looking play for a chunk, for a chunk game. Joey Sly hit that 47-yarder. It was good to see. Then you come back down. The next offensive series for Seattle, um, the 64-yard Kenneth Walker touchdown makes it 16-12 at that point. Seattle, next offensive series. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Sam Howell gets the ball. We get the ball back. Um, that's when he took that zone, uh, the zone read, and then Witherspoon makes a hell of a play taking the ball out. Just really unfortunate in that scenario after they scored. You start to drive, starting to potentially get some points, and Witherspoon makes a hell of a play. But I'd like to see Sam Howell continue to do that. It's just when you're 15 yards downfield, trying to get that extra two or three, just get your butt down uh, and live to see the next play. The next series, that's when Jamin Davis had a nice play on Kenneth Walker and that run fit, had the blitz on third down. So that defensive series was a nice job uh, from Washington's defense. Um, however, they go fourth and one. And this is where Seattle got a little arrogant. Fourth and one, and you got guys like Deron Payne and John Allen in the middle where you want them to just plug gaps, right, and, and make a play and push from the interior. And I didn't see it a lot from both of those guys yesterday. I didn't see it from anybody. Phil Mathis played. Um, I'm happy he wore a jersey yesterday. I didn't see any impact. John Ridgeway didn't see you either. Um, fourth and one, yeah, fourth and one shotgun right at Payne and Allen, right at the middle. Wasn't in the fringe areas, wasn't doing anything tricky with pullers on the outside. They're in shotgun on fourth and one. So they're going back four yards to then have a carry for basically four or five yards because you're in shotgun, not under center. If you allow a fourth and one, fourth and two with a team that's in shotgun and they still run it up the middle, that just tells you what they think about your defensive line, bottom line. And it was a first down for them there. We get the ball back, Brian Robinson. Um, I mentioned it at the top, hell of a day for number eight. Um, I thought he did a really nice job. He was physical. 
He looked elusive. He had some sneaky juice on the outside. Really good hands in the passing game. Again, led the team in both rushing and receiving. First time he's ever done that in his career in D.C., now in year two. Love me some Brian Robinson. I really do. He's just someone that shows up. He takes care of the football really outside of the fumble last week. And he's just a tough runner that will do everything for you. And he continues to evolve. We haven't seen him heavily involved uh, as a pass catching back the first year in Washington. Um, And then now he comes into week 10 in year two as a commander and six catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. He's just making plays when you give him the when you give him touches, he makes plays. And I just love to see that with him uh, in the fringe areas of this offense to where now he's starting to take targets away from a guy like Antonio Gibson, who, by the way, had a touchdown yesterday, made a nice play, um, and thought he also had some nice kickoff returns as well. Um, I thought he was also going to take that first one to the house. Uh, looked like he wanted to. He got up, slamming his helmet, and he was pissed off. Um, it looked like he had an alley there to where if he was able to stay up, the man had gone to the house for six. But thought he did a decent job on special teams, and... You know, the workload's really not there a bunch for Antonio Gibson, but when he's on the field, especially getting in the end zone like that, I'm not, I can't flack you too much if you're able uh, to get six. That whole drive, really, before the Antonio Gibson uh, touchdown was really pretty. Run, pass, play action, RPOs, Sam Howell making plays. He's decisive over the middle of the field. Logan Thomas was involved on that drive heavily. Love to see it. And that just goes back to what Sam Howell in this offense was able to do in the second half, keeping this team in the damn football game. Um, Seattle yesterday had entering the game, they had nine, 10 play drives, nine, the whole damn season. So nine in nine weeks, they had, I believe if my math is correctly correct, excuse me, they had four yesterday. So nine all year entering the game, they had four alone in yesterday's ball game, holding on to the football, just slowly churning their way down the field. A couple big plays here and there, obviously that 64 yard hookup. The Geno Kenneth Walker was their big play of the day. But, I mean, guys, four 10-play drives can't happen. It just cannot happen. Gets to 19-19 after that howl to Antonio Gibson hookup. Uh, eight minutes left on the clock. Uh, Seattle gets that ball back. Play action to lock it over the middle of the field. Jamin Davis takes a couple steps up. I mentioned in the pregame podcast, if you were here for that, play action was where they wanted to make their living. They did not trust Geno in that first half, dropping back and empty or in shotgun or in split back with Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet to either hip. They got to play action in the third, and excuse me, the second half. They got a little bit of the run game going with Charbonnet involved, and they wanted to pop that play action. That's where they make their money. That's where he's been the best this year. And Tyler Lockett's right over the middle of the field. He layers it over Jamin Davis, who takes a couple steps up, doesn't get his depth backwards, and he, it's just right over his head. Those are little things that we talk about. Linebackers getting depth and coverage a bunch of times yesterday where both Jamin and David Mayo were targeted right over their heads because they did not get the correct depth at the second level in coverage. The third and three tackle, uh, Washington sent some pressure on that play. Percy tackling Noah Fant uh, in the fringe areas was a beautiful play. One-on-one, Noah Fant by no means is a small guy. Percy Butler is by no means a big guy. Um, very lanky, kind of wiry frame. That's a hell of a tackle uh, in the open field. And then, of course, Seattle goes for it there. Um, Fourth and four, fourth and five, whatever it was. And it's the Benjamin St. Juice penalty on DK Metcalf. He got there a little early. You can say it's ticky-tack, whatever. Uh, I'm all for contact in that area. Um, It's called defense for a reason. If you can't play defense, why the hell are you on the field? Why the hell do we even play in the game? Um, Yeah, you could say he was there. But 
fourth and five. Bottom line, it was a penalty, and that's where Washington cannot help themselves out. Seattle gets first down. Washington then takes three penalties on four plays. That next play, you got 12 men on the field. Why is Danny Johnson on the field? That's a coaching thing. That's an execution thing. That's a personnel thing. That's knowing who's on and who's not. There's a specific coach or coaches on the side of the field that are responsible for substitutions, getting the correct packages on the field. You can't take a penalty on fourth and four, whatever it was, to get allowed in the first down, and then you take a 12-man. Then you get a face mask from Benjamin St. Juice on Kenneth Walker. They're just completely shooting themselves in the foot. Um, then you get Tyler Lockett on Benjamin St. Juice, the touchdown. It was just back-to-back-to-back-to-back plays by this defense where they just were beating themselves, and they're not allowing Seattle to beat them. Again, that fourth-and-four play from Benjamin St. Juice on DK, the flag. you got to be able to play physical football. Uh, in that situation, let the guys play. And it's just every single time there's any sort of high leverage situation, receiver against corner, it's just constantly a flag. You can't play through any type of contact in today's NFL. And it's really a shame. Uh, 3.47 on the clock. Again, Seattle uh, now up. Second and 10, Jamison Crowder dropped for a first down. Uh, cannot happen. Jamison Crowder has been a really nice addition. I said great things about him last week. Um, what we saw from him against New England, what we saw from him against Philadelphia. And that second and 10 drop cannot happen. Got to catch the ball. There's a veteran in this league or anybody. You just got to catch the football flat out. Fourth and one, Sam Howell to Terry McLaurin on the slant. Beautiful, decisive ball placement was pretty and rips it right into his stomach. Uh, first down. And then of course he hits Deami Brown over the middle of the field, uh, layering over to the second level right before the safeties. About three or four guys in that immediate area. 35-yard hookup for Sam Howell's third touchdown of the day to put him over 300 yards. Flat-out outstanding to keep Washington in this football game. As, as bad as Washington's defense was in the series prior, he comes right down the field and scores on that 35-yard hookup again. Sam Howell to Deami Brown. And Deami Brown, another guy in year three that has had to step up. And in that play right there, hell of a catch, going above the rim, getting it down and getting the end zone. Just a hell of a play. And then Seattle gets the ball back. And this is the scenario, guys, with 52 seconds left on the clock to where we're talking about the softness from Jack Del Rio and what he wants to do schematically from this defense. And that's just sitting back and allowing Seattle to drive right down the field. Third and four, you're running single high. Easy pitch and catch from Geno to DK Metcalf on Benjamin St. Just. Um, easy pitch and catch. And I... I it's frustrating, guys. It's frustrating. Right down the field with a minute left. Just right down the football field. Chunk plays. No pressure. Zero ability to cover on the outside. Um, and then, of course, they win that football game on the 43-yarder. Nothing from this defense when it mattered most. You just cannot get a stop. couple stops early in the game, but just could not get a flat-out stop when you needed just one. And this offense continues to bail out this defense. And for people that didn't watch the game, they're going to see 29-26, and they're going to say, oh, Washington battled. But this defense is historically bad. And as I mentioned earlier, you got Dallas and Miami in two of your next three games. Dallas put 49 on the board against New York, who, by the way, Dak Prescott and that offense did not play the, the, the freaking fourth quarter. Didn't play the whole fourth quarter. And Miami... With Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert. We'll get into them in a couple weeks. You guys know the damn names. They could easily put up 45 plus 
But for this defense to allow near 500 yards of offense to a Seattle offense that was really a JV offensive script for the entirety of this football game is really a shame. And it's week to week to week now that this defense has been historically bad. and is on pace to be one of the worst in franchise history. So that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. We're on all podcast platforms. You can follow me on Twitter if you don't already at underscore Ryan Fowler. My written work is housed at Bleacher Report and thedraftnetwork.com. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll have an episode out for you on Friday. It's going to be an abbreviated version since we've already seen the New York Giants, but we'll dive into what we've seen, what we expect to see from quarterback Tommy DeVito. They've been battling injuries yesterday. They saw Cordell Flott, their corner. Deontay Banks go out. Kayvon Thibodeau had a concussion in that game for New York. They're really on a massive downward downward spiral, excuse me, in this season. They're now 2-8, and eight, so they're struggling. But Washington's already lost to this football team. They're not without everybody that was on the field when Washington lost to them early in the season. So moving into next week, Washington's obviously, it's a must win. It's a flat out must win to get to five and six before you go on the road to face Dallas on Thanksgiving. But right now, I'm happy with the offense. Wasn't perfect again, but it was good enough to win yourself a football game. But this defense continues to not show any improvement anywhere. Zero pressure. Really cannot cover when it matters most. Outside of a couple plays here and there. But there's just no consistency, guys. And it's extremely frustrating. And I know you guys are frustrated too. So hopefully, there's maybe some improvement as Washington moves into the meat of their season to where are they going to be a wild card team or are they going to have an early off season to where you're already planning for the 2024 offseason. Now, you know I'll have you guys covered uh, this offseason, going towards the draft, top 30 visits, who Washington is talking to, where their interest is moving in to both the draft and free agency as we move into the new year. But the focus still is on right now, and that is Week 11, and that is the New York Giants. But the positives are on offense right now, big time. But the defense has got to do something because right now they are abysmal. It's an abysmal defense, led by a defensive coordinator that used to be a head coach in Jack Del Rio and a defensive-minded head coach in Ron Rivera in year four of a regime where you expect improvement in all phases. And especially yesterday, special teams and defense continues to lack. And if you look back to the end of that fourth quarter, Washington beat themselves instead of allowing Seattle to beat them. A football game in which Washington, from an offensive perspective, put themselves in a position to win that football game. And that's really a damn shame. So that's going to do it again. Today's episode. Always appreciate you guys. I will talk to you on Friday. Hope you guys enjoy your week. I'm Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.